weird and pissed off, whatever it is. She just goes a little mad sometimes. We all go a little mad sometimes. Game over, man! Game over! What an excellent day for an exorcism. You are invited to an open house where horror will be your host. Don't fall asleep. I'll never get sick of that intro song. <laughs> you know what? I am going to say it now and I will I will die on the hill proclaiming that Bill Paxton as Hudson mm-hmm. is the most brilliant hysterical person in a film ever, hands down. He owns it. He's better than Jerry Lewis, anyone else. Anyone, anyone. Mm-hmm. Just the hands down champion. Yeah, Violet to the great man. Yeah, rest in yeah, peace. Yeah, I didn't like the way he was recast when they did Terminator, what was it, uh... God, Terminator, Money Cow, whatever the fuck the last one was. <laughs> Genesis, Terminator Genesis. Where yeah. they, they redid it and they had the people like, you know, at the uh, observatory. Mm-hmm. And suddenly there's a guy who doesn't have the fucking, the tire tread tattoo on his face and he's yeah. quite well spoken. It looks like he's come out of NIDA. <laughs> Get fucked. Yeah, no, it's not the same. It's like, it's, you know what, I would have rather they just, you know, Bill Paxton in his coffin, did a cameo. He'd be in it. He is such a trooper, even dead, he would be like, no, I have commitments. I'll be there for the film. And they could actually like shake his corpse. Game over, man. (laughs) Game over. (laughs) While his jaw clicks. (laughs) Do you want to hear my absolute, one of my favourite Bill Paxton stories ever? Absolutely. And turn into the Bill Paxton tribute hour. God, I love you, Bill. Well, I wanted to talk about geography, but go on. No, before we get to geography, um, when, um, when they were talking of, oh God, uh, I can never say his name. The main, the man who directed District Nine. Oh, Neil Blomkamp. That's it. Uh, when he was talking about, he uh, basically wanted to make an aliens film, except he wanted to basically go back in time and so have the film that it would carry on from the ending of Aliens. Yes. And just basically forget everything else. And everyone obviously was like, "Oh my god, it's what we've always dreamed of." Yeah. And my favorite part is when that when that story hit the press. The first person to contact him to say absolutely, hell of a yes, I am so on board, was Mr. Bill Paxson himself. So good. Because he, he was already working with Sigourney Weaver on The Quiet, wasn't he? Oh, was that? Uh, yeah. I, yeah, okay. Apparently, apparently he was already working with Sigourney Weaver on The Quiet. Oh, my God, that's fantastic. Well, the, my favourite bit is um, <laughs> because someone actually brought this up. They were like, uh, Bill, didn't you die? In Aliens. And Hansi is the very first one to point out, no, 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 you see me get grabbed by an alien. You don't actually see me die. And I believe that Bill Paxton would have, like, run his way out through an air vent and, like, clung to the underside. That's yeah. where it would have carried on. This other side, you'd see this leg, Bill Paxton. Just like, game over, man. Game over. <laughs> Perfect. But then, of course, every time you have a good idea in the film industry and you say, it's basically saying Biggie Smalls three times in the mirror, mm. along comes Ridley Scott and kiboshes the whole thing. Yeah. And just, and just, just, oh, oh my God, my you heart know what? bleeds. Neil, Neil Blomkamp, I know you're not listening, but if you do, just keep your fucking good ideas quiet until it's time to make the film. Because he was also <laughs> going to reboot Robocop. Oh. And his Robocop was going to be a direct follow-on yes. from the first one. And then, of course, studio executives went, oh, no, we can't possibly, we can't possibly make a good film. Let's, no, we have, to make a, we have to make a shit one. But they have given the reins mm. to Abe Forsyth from Australia. Okay. Who made one of the best Ned Kelly films of all time. Hilarious guy. So I'm, I'm quietly, I'm quietly hoping for something special from him. But yeah, but I digress. Yeah. Welcome to episode two 
of Gabin in the Woods. <laughs> Yay. The return of Bill Paxton. <laughs> the Paxtoning. <laughs> oh my God. You know what? I can feel him staring in the ground even as we talk. Just him getting ready to raise his hand and yeah. sign the contract. The beautiful thing is my six-year-old son loves him now because he's really into Spy Kids. And so my son now walks around the house whenever he wants to surprise me, walks into a room and goes, does somebody ring the dinkster? I was like, yes. <laughs> oh, my God. My my estimations of your child have just gone through the roof. Yeah, mine too. His reading ability yeah. at school would betray that. But <laughs> fuck it, he's young and he's got some poor period in his genes. So. You know what? I was on the fence, but you know what? After hearing that story, I reckon you should keep him. I think I will. So what do we do here? This is a this is a weekly now podcast, isn't it? It is. Yeah, where Suckers. we where we talk about all kinds of paranormal and weird and true crimey and mm. all the other stuff that no one else on the internet is talking about. <laughs> but you know what? I think the difference is we are honest enough to admit that some of this stuff is a little bit scary and we're a little bit afraid and we're prepared to address that a bit of pee might come out. While we address this. Absolutely. And we are as openly derivative as every horror film that's come out in the last 10 years. <laughs> oh my God, it was a Japanese schoolgirl? Oh, what? The ghost is angry? No. Oh my God. The real alien is us. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ on a mountain. Yeah. I wasn't joking though, because I want to, I want to start talking about uh, geography. Oh. Because this week we are mm. talking about UFOs and particularly Australian UFOs. Mm. And I suppose you and I, we're from the bush. Yes, we are. So we understand a little bit about geography, but a lot of people, I mean, that's one of the sports in Australia. When someone mm. comes from overseas, we laugh and go, oh, they don't know just how far the distances are in this country, you know. <laughs> Whereas most people in Australia don't fucking understand the literal tyranny of distance that you get from this place. Because mm. I always like to think of Australia as a kind of reverse pizza. Mm. Like, you know, with a normal yes. pizza, you get that tiny little crust around the outside that's essentially just a, a doughy handle. Yes. And then all the business is in the middle. Yes. So it's like the United States, mm -hmm. Europe, those places, they're normal pizzas. We're a reverse pizza. We've got all the business around the outside mm -hmm. and fucking nothing yeah. but burnt crust yeah. in the middle. Oh, yeah. There's a fuckload of nothing. Oh, yeah. In there. Yeah. And this country should be... Absolutely perfect for like being a UFO hotspot, but we really don't have that many really great UFO stories in this country, which is mm. weird because not only do you have like the world's longest existing continuous culture and our various Aboriginal nations in Australia, mm -hmm. 60,000 years of, of history, the first astronomers, a living dreamtime mm -hmm. religious animistic base, which mm. should line up with so many different, you know, pre-European cultures, mm -hmm. and there's not a great deal there. Mm -hmm. We have basically huge expanses of outback, which is why the British came here and did rocket tests. Mm. They did nuclear tests. We they also declared a war against our emus. Don't forget they that. They did, and the emus fucking won. <laughs> Australia. So the two, the two things that have beaten the British Empire, Maoris and <laughs> emus. Woo-woo! <laughs> <laughs> hey. uh, my Irish forebears weep. Um, but see, the other thing is as well is there's a part of me that thinks, you know what, we actually have a lot of – we have actually had a lot of UFO experiences. Yeah. But a lot of – it could be happening to people out the bush because coming from the bush, we know people who live in very like remote locations yeah. and like you can drive all day and still not get to the end of your property. Yeah. And when you do see people um, even standing 12 feet together – 
is kind of close. Yeah. And it's just kind of like a, yeah. Like it's not even a, it's just, it's really, it's just a nod. Yeah. And that's like as much human it's that contact. one finger raised from the steering wheel to say hello as you drive past a total yes. stranger yes. in the middle of the outback. Yes. But like I was saying, we've got the perfect recipe. We've got, we've got British rocketry. We've got mm-hmm. a, British nuclear tests. Mm-hmm. We have a dozen American spy bases mm-hmm. out here. Mm-hmm. We should have this incredibly rich UFO history, but we really don't. I mean, all I could really think about that we've got is, mm-hmm. and they're, they're both very impressive, is the Westall UFO mm-hmm. in Melbourne, which we'll no doubt get to in a later episode because no one else has fucking done it yet. <laughs> we haven't done it, though. No, we're coming straight to DVD. With our sass. Yeah. And probably a more interesting one that's been in the media lately was the abduction of Kelly Cahill, which is getting some more attention lately. But that's one we can come back to as well. Mm-hmm. But we don't have a Roswell, you know. Mm-hmm. We don't have that that sort of cultural touchstone. But we do have the one we're talking about today. Yes, we do. Which is very different because I remember this one happening vividly. We're both about the same age. We grew up in the 80s. And this oh, Hush your mouth. Hush your mouth. I'm not a date over my teens. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, this this one story is is probably Australia's Betty and Barney Hill, mm. basically, and it's very interesting because it got a lot of media attention and it was essentially ridiculed. And I can even remember as a kid mm-hmm. how ridiculed this family were. So, mm-hmm. tell our dear listener <laughs> what it is we're looking at. Well, yes, that's it. I mean, you know, uh, Australians can tend to be very, shall we say, stoic. Yes. Um, and we, until it's like literally, I guess, turkey slapping us in the face, we tend to just, it'll be all right, mate. Yeah. Um, and we're pretty good at revising history in our own benefit. Oh, uh, yeah. We're quite good at that. You know, mm. skills. Put that on your resume. Yeah. Um, <laughs> erasing cultures, creating your own <laughs> skills. <laughs> now, this one is set on a dark dry Australian night on a highway halfway between nowhere and nothing. Literally, it's fucking nowhere. Absolutely nowhere. Now, on this night, a family would be hunted by an egg-shaped UFO that would whisk them off their feet and scramble their lives forever. Oh, I see where this is going. In this week's episode of Extra... Oh, God, I kind of stuffed it up. (laughs) (laughs) In this week's episode of extraterrestrial or extra extra fry all about it or the unidentified frying object or close encounters of the fried kind bill paxton is currently shoveling dirt back over his corpse rather than be associated with us or oh fuck (laughs) the egg files okay jesus christ now, on the afternoon of January the twentieth, you know, I've actually got—I can add one to that. Oh yeah, because if we want to, if we want to go with that whole desert eggs oh, UFO puns, yeah, uh, soft-boiled UFO would runs well. <laughs> Get fucked. That was all right. <laughs> I haven't been able to perform in six months. <laughs> oh my god! I'm sorry. I'm just, just the next sound you hear is just me going out into the car, starting the engine. Just <laughs> <laughs> give this incel a stage. <laughs> On the afternoon of January the 20th, 1988, Faye Knowles and her three adult sons would climb into their Ford Telster and set off on the long drive from one end of the country to the other. Perth to Melbourne for a relaxing vacation to catch up with family and loved ones. Hang on. 
Did you say relaxing vacation? Perth to Melbourne in a Ford Telstar. The relaxing vacation obviously starts once you get there and you have recovered from your 36-hour drive. In, okay. a, in a tiny, tiny family compact. Okay, nobody starts their holiday at the airport of destination. Okay, no. your family's, your holiday starts when you arrive. So this is, this is not part of the holiday. See, this, this sounds like the kind of drive that you go on if you're too scared to ask someone for a divorce. 36 hours in a Ford Telstar across the Nullarbor Plain. Yeah, you would just, I would just be like, oh, well, one of us is not coming back from this trip. Yeah, yeah. Clearly. You're meeting Mick Taylor out in the desert. No, or you know what this is? This is when you're like bug-ass poor. Because this is back in the 80s. You couldn't like jump on a plane for like $49. Like because Australia's now. flight industry was regulated. There was only one carrier. Yeah. There was two. There was there was Ansett, since yeah. broke, and Qantas, pretty much broke. Yeah. So, you know, as for like it probably would have cost them like three grand for a family of four to fly. And that is literally more than their car costs. So... Yeah. Okay, I, I'll stop. I'll stop uh, class shaming people. Yes, no. Yes, as the guy who hasn't worked since March. <laughs> See if anyone should be able to like relate to driving across the Nullarbor in a Ford Telstar. It should be you. Yeah, I've brought hitchhiking to a gunfight, haven't I? <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, this family was set out, but within hours, this family would be chased, terrorized, and running through the Australian scrubland in bare feet. Fuck out! Running. And hiding for their lives. Jesus Christ. Yeah. That scrub is nasty out there too. You know what? I think for those who aren't from Australia, we need to put up a size of uh, Outback Prickles. A three-corner jack is yeah. not a prickle. It is a hand grenade with spikes. Yeah. It's, it's something that you would have found in the North Vietnamese jungle. Yeah. Basically covered, yeah. In, covered in human poo just to get that infection in there too. <laughs> because that's the other thing as well. Like a yeah. lot of people especially not from Australia, like their only experience of this kind of stuff would probably be this, the case of Joanne Lees and Peter okay. Falconio. Out yeah. Because spin effects and scrub out there, is, it's like fucking knives. Yeah. And it shreds you. You don't go out there barefoot. Yeah, no, no. no. It's just, if, if, if nothing else, the, you know, the, the temperature is like 50 degrees. You can't walk barefoot. Like your no. feet would catch fire. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like- the country is lava. <laughs> You literally just spend your life just climbing from one object to another without touching the lava floor. Yeah, which is That's why we have those funky lizards that like hold two feet in the air. Every, oh, fucking, yeah, fucking, oh, oh, fucking, oh, fucking. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, now, this trip on average should take around 36 hours of continuous driving, but with everyone rotating between driving and sleeping to help ease the burden. Mm. Now, Three of the four occupants of the car were sound asleep when driver Sean spotted a bright light far up ahead in the distance. At first he thought it was the headlights of an oncoming truck, but as the light approached, growing curiosity and concern began to make its way across Sean's gut. There was something unusual about this light, and as it began to move its way across the horizon, Sean knew this was anything but ordinary. As the light moved closer and closer, Sean reached out his arm to his side and woke his brother Patrick, who was asleep in the passenger seat behind him. Sean tried to tell his brother about the strange light ahead. At first, his brother, still sleepy, told his brother the light was just those of a truck. But as they got closer and closer to the light, even he began to wonder just what was in front of them. Finally, the light and the car drew closer and closer together along the highway. 
As they approached and the light drew closer to interview, then suddenly it vanishes. Dramatic. It's a ghost car. (laughs) (laughs) Then all of a sudden, the light is behind them. Sean, panicking, floored the car, pushing it as fast as it could go, but the light was relentless and would not yield. At first, it matched their speed, but then drawing closer and closer. Then it disappears. You know he was serious about getting away if he turned off the air conditioner. (laughs) (laughs) That's when you know shit gets real. Fuck, hit the turbo. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, it is. That is like, that is the equivalent of releasing the turbo in Australia. (laughs) So the light disappears behind them. Then all of a sudden... It's in front of them again. As the, ha- as the car hurtles towards the light, they begin to see the light more clearly. It is oval-shaped, about one metre acro- uh, wide across its middle, with a yellow light emanating from the centre of the white light. As they scream towards it, Sean swerves the car in the opposite lane of the road to avoid crashing into the light, then has to swerve back into his lane, narrowly missing crashing head-on into a car coming in the opposite direction, towing a caravan. And these country roads are literally single lane. Oh, yeah. It's not a freeway. You are separated by good manners and paint. Yes. From oncoming traffic. Yeah. Uh, like we have, I mean, the, the highway up to my, with the barrier highway mm. is, I mean, it's ridiculous that they call it a highway. It's a backstreet road, basically, yeah. that you know, it just takes you eight hours to get to like the next major city. Yeah. Um, the, you know, the edges are frayed, you know, and it's like, it's just a moment of inattention. You are yeah. off the road and like you were triple rolling through the sky. Well, yeah. Driving through those roads, especially in the eighties with their terrible lights and it was like mm. the end of Lost Highway. It's just, yeah. it's nothing's lit up. There's no street lights. It is just mm. divider line going yeah. between you for fucking hours because that road is gun barrel straight. Yeah, and that's the other thing. Like, uh, I, people people who've never been like proper Australian outback don't have never. You, you think you know darkness, yeah. but you know you're in the city. There's always light coming from somewhere. There's street lights. There's people. There's always light, and your your eyes see it different when you get out into the middle of this of of nowhere for the sky yeah it is amazing like you can see for 20 million years like the universe suddenly you realize how small you are the darkness that's out there is apocalyptic yeah it's it's fucking confronting oh yeah so what happens now is the light appears to move again but this time it begins to chase the car and the caravan with minimal thought, Sean chucks a U-turn and begins to chase the light, now chasing the caravan. We've all been bored on long drives. Could <laughs> <laughs> do something. This is literally the only thing that's happened in yeah. like the last 12 hours. And it's 1988, so you, you're sick of listening to summer hits and it's Poison and, <laughs> and Molly Crew. And that's it, yeah. So screaming, his family begs Sean to turn the car back around and to flee, to escape the light while they still can. Maybe it was the pleas from his family members or maybe common sense kicked in. But Sean pulls another U-turn manoeuvre and the family flee from the light. So critically at this point, and, you know, I don't like to speak ill of the dead, but he's pulled a bit of a Steve Irwin. <laughs> and he's antagonised this he's fucking thing. He's poked it with a stick, yeah. basically. And maybe, maybe none of this would have happened. I don't know. I don't like to victim blame. 
you know, kind of sounds like you're victim blaming. A little bit. You know, but I look, I'm with you. I would have just like, I would have just driven the fuck yeah, on. Like, yeah. to, you're good chasing that shit. It's like when you're running from the, like the T-Rex in Jurassic Park yeah. and it runs off to like, you know, eat somebody else. You don't like... There's, a, there's only a few rules to live by in this world and one of them is don't fucking road rage aliens. Mm. Oh, you fucking overtake me without indicating? Yeah, fuck, I've got a fishing knife in here. You're fucked. Nah, <laughs> keep driving. Yeah, just, well, I mean, that, see, that's the other thing for like uh, outback driving a lot of people don't understand is in, in these places in the middle of nowhere, no matter what happens, no matter what you see, just keep going. Lock don't fucking doors. stop. Keep going, man. Yeah. Keep going. But as they pull the U-turn and they start driving away, the light also turns and begins to hunt the Knowles family again. Closer and closer, the light like a tsunami of fear surge towards the family. It disappears from view again. Fuck. Sean keeps his foot to the floor and they scream along the highway. Then all of a sudden... Sorry, that was not as dramatic as I intended it to be. I know. I was like, I went to do it. And then I'm like, oh, I'm going to upset the mixing board. Like, oh, and <laughs> It's then- not a record player. Well, you tell me now. Can we put in a more dramatic boom? We can, yeah. Yeah, put in a more dramatic boom. This, next, the sound of something large and heavy on the roof of their car. Then a sensation, almost like flying. As the car seems to move up above the road, the car now flies faster and faster along the highway, being pulled by the object they are now off the road. Oh, it's fucking alien Mad Max. <laughs> Shit is getting real. Yeah. Faye, who sits on the rear left side of the car, now makes one of the most questionable moves in the history of bad decisions. <laughs> For ungodly known reasons, Faye winds down the car's window. A cloud of fine black dust fills the vehicle and a gut-churning smell that smells like decomposing bodies fills the air. Faye then reaches her arm out of the car window and up towards the object that was holding onto their car. I am so freaked out at this stage. Why would you put your hand out there? What if if another hand touches your hand? What if a slimy, like, demon you is, like, touching your hand? What if it gets bitten off? Yeah, that's feet under the doona kind of stuff. So many oh. levels. Yes, that's why you don't sleep with like your arms and your yeah. legs hanging off the bed. That's because they get bitten off. And you don't stick your hand out the window and flap it up, okay? Essentially ringing the, ding- the doorbell, ringing the like dinner bell with your own arm <laughs> outside the window. What are you doing, woman? I've got to say, every time I've been involved in road rage and it's been escalated, it's been by my female passenger. <laughs> 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 that seems to be what's happening here. Faye's hand stretches out onto the roof until her fingers find it. Ugh. It is hot. It is spongy. Ugh. As Faye's hand finds the object, an ear-piercing, high-pitched 
sound shrieks through the car, sending the family dog into a frenzy. A dark cloud washes into the car. The family then become disorientated. They could hear their other terrified family members screaming out, but their voices were distorted and slow. Patrick says he feels like something is being driven into their heads as if their brain is being sucked out. At this point, the entire family believe they are about to die. With a jolt, the car is dropped back down onto the road. The vehicle now is traveling in speeds in excess of 200 kilometers. One of the rear car tires shreds and the car now spins out of control. The driver, Sean, says that he cannot remember anything past this point. But as the car slams to a halt, Sean pushes his car door open and runs from the runs from the vehicle, yes, leaving his family, runs from the vehicle and out into the nearby scrub. The rest of the family quickly follow suit as they two pile out of the car and run one of them barefoot into the Australian scrubland. Fuck that. Still, halfway on a road trip to Perth feeling like you're going to die, probably blessed relief knowing you've got another 14 or 15 hours in a Ford Telstar with your family. <laughs> I just find it. I've got to stretch my legs. Nothing here. Just, oh my God, thank God we're out of the car. Also, I think it's very convenient that the moment in which he jumped out of the car and left his family to die apparently is the moment from which he can't remember. <laughs> like, what? Oh no, I don't remember that. What are you talking about? I didn't literally leave you initially when the object had lost uh hold of the family it had overshot them and carried on now the family watched in terror huddled under the few bushes that they could find whilst the light returned and again the australian scrubland there really are parts where there literally can be one bush yeah for like 20 miles that's it the whole family is like hiding under a bush (laughs) in a very pantomime (laughs) Escape from an alien. (laughs) Now, when Sean had jumped out of the car and fled, the car's headlights had been switched off. And now it seems without these lights, the object could no longer locate them. The family says that they have no idea just how long they sat huddled in the darkness as the object seemed to search back and forth for them. But eventually it would move away when they could not be found. Here's an idea. There's literally one Bush. <laughs> Look under the bush. <laughs> it sounds like my son at Easter. I'm just I'm the just, fucking eggs are there. Like right there. Oh. Like right there. It's like a, it's like cats. Like they're all like, oh my god, cats are such like wild natural predators. Like it can bring down like birds, you know, from like leap from trees, like spot yeah. them two thousand kilometers away. I will literally put a biscuit in front of its nose, and it's like, what? What are you doing? The biscuit. Eat the biscuit. What biscuits? I don't see biscuits <laughs> on that tree over there. Literally right in front of you. So. So, so this alleged UFO has lost track of them. It has, yes. So, so what it sounds like has happened is that the the alleged UFO was interested in the car, mm. gets touched by the icky thing inside of it, shits itself uh. like a squid. Yeah, squid ink and evil smoke dust and stuff goes into the car. Yeah, it pulls up. The icky thing inside the car leaves, mm. and, and now it's like, cool, we're free to talk. Yeah, what's wrong? What's wrong? Like, what's like Wally? Like, why aren't you talking? Yeah. I guess it would be like, can you imagine like if you're like, oh my God, like if you picked up a box and then a little creepy human alien yeah. hand reached out of that box, you'd be like, fuck you, box. 
coming this week to Channel 7. Fuck you, box. <laughs> the show taking Australia by storm. What's in there? Is it a frog? <laughs> <laughs> is it a little demon? Is it Sam Newman's liposuction from his face? <laughs> Fuck you, box. <laughs> no amount of money is worth that. Oh, my God. <laughs> Um, now, the family says, again, no idea how long they sat huddled in the darkness as the objects searched around for them. But eventually it would move away when they couldn't be found and the light disappeared. However, the family remained in the bush for some time, fearing that the darkness was just a ruse to lure them back out from their hiding spots. After some time, the family rushed back to their car and then realised they needed to change the car tyre because it had blown. So they did as quickly and as quietly as they could. Then they sped away, leaving their car jack on the highway. Meanwhile, further along the highway, a semi-truck driver who was driving along the same road would also report that he too had seen a strange light. At first he thought it was a headlight, but as it drew nearer, he realised it was moving in a way that was inconsistent to a vehicle travelling along the highway. The truck driver would later describe the light at first like a strong spotlight. But then as it drew closer, as it moved along the sides and above his rig and trailer, he could see it it clearer and described it as being like a fried egg hung upside down. How a fried egg has a right way up and and a bottom way up? I'm not quite sure. But he seemed very definite that it was a fried egg. Okay. Upside down. You're a vegan, so straight away you've completely gun and badge on my desk in terms of talking about fried eggs. <laughs> I don't care if you're three days from retirement. <laughs> you're off the case. <laughs> have, you, have you never eaten at an Outback truck stop? All they know how to do is fried eggs. Uh-huh. This guy lives <laughs> on fried eggs and steak sandwiches. <laughs> he knows his fucking fried eggs. <laughs> like, have you seen these, these truck stops? They've literally got oh, yeah. signs. Yeah, yeah. 20Ks out with, with like their radio call sign so that you can radio in your fried egg order. Yes. And you'll be in these places like, yeah, g'day there, Kathy. It's uh, Bill here on the fucking on the, on the methamphetamine shuttle from Adelaide to Perth. Can I have my fried eggs ready for me in 20 minutes? Too busy to stop and talk. <laughs> I just need my egg fried. Don't hang it upside down. Because I'll fucking know, Kathy. I'll know. <laughs> That's an upside down fried egg. This is a bullshit. I ain't no tourist. <laughs> I can taste this is wrong. Well, I stand corrected. <laughs> uh, the driver said uh, the light around his rig was there for at least five minutes and he said he could not see anything beneath or above the light. Now, as the driver approached Mundrabilla, the light disappeared. Now, Mundrabilla has a population. <laughs> that sounds like they're tourism. Slogan, the light disappears at Mundrabilla. <laughs> Abandon all hope. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, that literally could have just been, fuck, quick, it's Mundrabilla, turn the lights off. Yeah. <laughs> just turn the engine and just push it through. It so could, no one noticed. It could have been the alien equivalency of like locking your doors as you go through a shitty town. Yes, fuck, it's Mundrabilla. Oh. Oh Remember what happened last time we probed these guys? All they live on is fried eggs. <laughs> we still haven't got it clean. <laughs> That's why they're not taking anyone from truck stops. <laughs> oh, my God. People who live on nothing but a diet of, like, truck stop food and, oh. like, methamphetamine. Oh. oh, my God. Oh. oh, this hillbilly needs to change the oil. Oh, that's Ooh. the real horror out here. Oh, oh. my God. Now, <laughs> for those who haven't been to Mundrabilla, Mundrabilla has a population of 23 people. Does that include the dogs? <laughs> <laughs> 
No. Okay. That's just people and human people. By Human dog yep. people. Um, and it consists mainly of a truck stop roadhouse built on the edge of a vast uh, shapes. I'm so sorry today. <laughs> on the Oh, God, I wish I had some methamphetamines in me. You're just so shook because I told you that Blade Runner 2049 is good. I know. I, you've just you've, you've shaken me. Mm. Like, um, Now, it's also the site of the Mundravilla Iron Meteorite, which is the largest meteorite ever found in Australia. It was found in 1966 and believe it fell to the earth approximately one million years ago. And that's about, on average, how often things of excitement happen <laughs> in Mundrabilla. <laughs> now, the truck driver decided to pull up at the roadhouse to refresh himself and, curiously, craving some eggs. <laughs> and he was there when the Knowles family car arrived. The family all piled from the vehicle. They appeared frightened. They all spoke at once, trying to describe what had happened to them. The driver noted that their car was covered in a black ash almost to sand both inside and outside the vehicle and it smelt burnt. He also noted what looked like four dents in the roof of the car. At one stage, the family members even opened their boot to reveal the shredded tire within. Now, the family steeled their nerves and as the sun rose, they carried onwards, driving to the town of Sejuna and straight to the local police station. Stealing your nerves in a small town truck stop, is that code for international roast coffee? That is impossible to drink. Yes. With UHT milk that tastes like plastic. That's how you knew they were like they were like rattled. They drunk the whole thing. It wasn't this is like pre Red Bull. Yeah. Woo <laughs> So they drove the six hundred Ks yes. to Sejuna. Yes. To uh, the local police station. Now, back at the roadhouse, the truck driver and two others backtracked along the highway to see if they could find any evidence to back up the Knoll story. Whilst they didn't find any little green people... I love how this truck driver just has the freedom to go CSI trucky. <laughs> I'm going to go investigate. I don't have... I, I can falsify my logbook because I'm going to be doing 180 k's an hour full of fucking biker yep. speed. I can. That's fine. I'll just backtrack and look for someone's car jack. Yeah. Well, see, that's the problem when you accidentally do like 300 k's an hour along that part. You've got to like, well, I've got to burn up some time somewhere. <laughs> There's only so many eggs I can eat. <laughs> exactly. Oh my god, or maybe it was just like the lure of a giant egg that, that drew him back <laughs> the promise. Oh my god, are you kidding? It would have been his nirvana. He would have just been like, take me! And someone would have found him just naked rolling in the fried egg alien. That's some I dream of genie stuck on a desert island. Bloody, what do they call those things? Those mirages. Mirages. Imagine oh, a naked giant upside down egg. Yeah, just ah, oh, naked truckie, just like oh, just hovering over him like the like a naked ghost. Oh my god, you would have, it would have been like Kevin Spacey in American Beauty. <laughs> he just dreams and all these little fried eggs are falling oh. from the sky. Oh. Now they went out. They didn't find any fried eggs, but what they did find were skid marks along the highway. Oh, <laughs> well, that's from the eggs. <laughs> They examined the surrounding area on foot and they tracked shoe prints and even barefoot uh, feet marks heading into the bush and under the bushes, including traces of blood in the footprints from where one of the sons had cut their feet while running through the scrub, just as the Knowles family had described. Fuck, what are the odds of finding that? Yeah. Now, it wasn't long before the media caught wind of the story. Suddenly, the Knowles family found themselves on the cover of newspapers and being interviewed on day and night television for national 
and international stations. I remember this. Well, one of the reporting television stations in Australia commissioned a laboratory investigation of the ash found on and within the car. Now, no evidence was found of anything unusual or alien materials in the dust, nothing even slightly eggy. (laughs) But it is important to note that their samples were taken almost two weeks after the police had impounded the vehicle. And I've seen um, footage of the people collecting the samples. Yeah. There is no way that car had just driven across the Nullarbor. It was so squeaky clean. Yeah. You could have eaten your egg off it. <laughs> 600 kilometres uh, between the site of this happening in Sejuna. Yeah. That's a lot of uh, crime scene contamination. Yeah. Yeah, so now the other thing is police have on file a person who phoned the police hotline after the incident to report seeing the same light and seeing it attaching itself to the Knowles car. Still, that person did not provide their details and nor have they ever spoken out again. Not that it's hard to understand why someone wouldn't want to come out because the Knowles family were ridiculed from every angle at the time. It was an open joke. I remember it being an open joke. Oh, it really was. One newspaper run the following. Car for sale. Ford Telstar 84 Duck Egg Blue. Glows in the dark. Body good except for symmetrical dents in roof and giant sucker marks on bonnet. (laughs) Only done 14,000 light years. Suspension lowered through no fault of the owner. Some staining due to soot from outer space, others staining due to terrifying passengers. <laughs> First to see will be over the moon with this one. Goes like a rocket. Full service history and captain's log available. <laughs> Urgent sale. No aliens, please. Phone 062-666-999 Nullarbor. Fuck. That's incredibly mean. But at the same time, it's kind of quaint. I, I, I long for the days when they would run a, a, an overly wordy, completely verbose takedown of some poor family, as opposed to what we live with today, which is the fucking nightmare of Murdoch's intervention in democracy. Oh, I know. Yeah, back in the day, it was like, you are an ill-fitting cockpiece of a cockhole, <laughs> sir, and your family dine on... Smithers of ashes of rudeness. <laughs> now it's like your mum's a whore. Yeah, and they're, they're like openly trying to install dictators. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh my god! Now, actually, a good one is the t- the Dunlop Tire Company. You'll like this one. Yeah, the Dunlop Tire Company paid ten thousand dollars to run a full page newspaper ad with a cartoon of the family in the car being abducted by an alien spacecraft, with the caption, "If only they'd stuck with Dunlop." Although the ones left red-faced by this were the tyre company when it was reported that the tyres were actually, in fact, all Dunlop (laughs) tyres. That was a boozy work meeting that really (laughs) blew up in their face. (laughs) Just like, how could this possibly go wrong? Oh, they were all Jesus. But yeah, getting back to the media side of things, the interesting thing was that um, when they they reached Sejuna, Somehow it leaked. Someone someone tipped off the media. Yeah, yeah. So when they got to the small town of Woodner, which is much closer, still mm. still along the Air Peninsula, but getting getting towards civilization. Yeah. They were actually met mm. in the town by 
it was either the man himself or one of his representatives, mm. Mr. Frank Pangallo, who is South Australia's most renowned ambulance chaser. He was the Today Tonight guy. Yeah. He yeah. was he, he he made a career of kicking in doors, chasing dodgy builders. Yeah. Everything if, that we love. If this guy had a pedometer, it would have exploded yeah. from overuse, yeah. basically. Just, Jerry Springer of journalism. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So he apparently met the Knowles family in Woodner, convinced them to let his people have the car. So the car was never actually impounded. From what I read, it was never actually impounded by the police. Mm. It was taken by Channel 7, who then got exclusive rights to an interview through their then star, Darren Hinch. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently... Apparently they'd been paid five thousand dollars for the uh, for the privilege of the interview, wow. which in nineteen eighty eight is a lot a of lot money. A lot of cha-ching. Yeah, yeah, that was more than most people won on sale of the century. Yeah, but apparently the big joke was that if they'd waited just a few more minutes, they would have got an offer from Mike Willisey for twenty thousand dollars. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, like all the tests done on the car were done by Channel Seven. Yeah, who have a terrible record. Yeah. When it comes to truth in journalism, these are the guys who um, found that lost hiker in the bush, Robert Baguki, and then when they realised they didn't get good enough footage, put him back down in the middle of the desert. <laughs> All he needed was a hospital. <laughs> so oh, can, my God. They made him wear like their Channel 7 shirt and they didn't take him to the nearby camp. They took him all the way to Broome. It's a fucking horror show. It's like wanted to get like better footage of him like dying yeah. in the bushland. Yeah, oh, so no, we didn't get the death shot. Yeah, so they dropped him back down. Yeah, this is Channel 7. These guys are the true aliens. Can you imagine, like, actually being at that spot where you're like, you know, you're lost, you've had to drink your own piss, you're barely clinging to life, everything is shutting down, and then you see a helicopter, and you raise from the sky, and you think, oh my god, maybe, maybe this is it, maybe I won't die. And then you find yourself back on the ground with a rolled you out of the helicopter yeah. and then you get to watch the helicopter fly away where you were just like just even just like pissing me like anything <laughs> like i'm gonna die it's one of my worst nightmares being re- being rescued by channel seven <laughs> yeah. have you got a message for your friends and family <laughs> and don't forget to give them today's cash cab code word dying of thirst <laughs> text one nine two hundred h2o Oh my god! Actually, I have. Do you want to hear the opposite of that story? Yes, but please. for like awesomeness. Yeah, there was a hiker. You know, uh, this was in America, wandering around the wilderness. Got lost. Mm-hmm. You know, in the in, in the forest, couldn't be found. Was very lost. Um, so obviously, everyone was you know out looking for him. They couldn't find him. Harrison Ford. It's like, you know what? It's near my private little house. You know what? I'm just going to get up in my helicopter. Yeah. Here's Harrison Ford. I'm just going to get up in my helicopter. Just do, 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 do. fly around because I'm Harrison Ford. That's just what I do. Yeah. Right? You know what? I'm going to look for this poor lost dude. So. <laughs> Although there's a part of me that hopes that like. Uh, there was someone else flying the plane and he was just in the back struggling with a snake. <laughs> but no, so he was... Punching in, a Nazi. Yeah, just bam, bam, yay! <laughs> so he's just flying his own personal helicopter around, sees, you know, something bright in, in the edge of... So there's a clearing nearby, so he lands his helicopter, goes in, finds this man who was, you know, who was out of it, wakes up, to see Indiana Jones okay, standing above him, telling him, you're going to be all right. The man actually thought, 
oh my God, I've actually died and I've gone to heaven. <laughs> and I've been greeted by like Harrison Ford is like welcoming me to heaven. Passed out again going, oh, that's it. I'm clearly like mirage, like, you yeah. know, seeing things. So then passed out. And uh, yeah, so uh, he was rescued by Harrison Ford. Um and the man lived and was told later on, no, 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 you were actually being rescued by Harrison Ford, uh, not going to heaven. There you go. So how amazing is that? I bet James Woods wouldn't do that. <laughs> Angrily tweeting from his MAGA bunker. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God, don't, don't, get, don't make James Woods angry. Don't make James Wood angry. He will move into your shed and tweet about you. Yeah. Do not. Oh, my God. So some people asked, um, why were the family going to the police in the first place? But in Faye's words, we made up our minds, it might happen to somebody else. There's definitely something out there. Something's got to be done. Someone else is really going to get hurt. Because here's the thing about the Knowles family. Like Mm. when you actually see the footage of these people, it's pretty clear that they're just normal, really simple people they're mm-hmm. just ordinary folk like they're not in any way showy you can just tell they're not out for attention or anything no. like that like no. they, it seems like a massive inconvenience to these guys and yeah. Faye in particular who so i think it was within 36 hours of yeah. the sexual incident they're in adelaide doing an entire day of interviews like yeah. like you'd get for a press junket for a movie yeah and they are like they're well dressed yeah they look a bit disco a couple of them but the mum especially Faye. yeah Looks like a very normal, very down-to-earth woman who has got no time for them bloody aliens getting yeah. ruining Middle Amingtons. Yeah. Like, she does not look like she's got time for this shit. No, she really hasn't. Well, she, I mean, she hasn't got time for dental care, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> Missing some teeth. It is the 80s. You know, um, <laughs> it wasn't free dental care for adults at that stage. But no, you're right. They just look very tiny, country town. I have no interest in all that Malaki mainly yeah. use the newspaper to clean the windows. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, so when they actually do front up to the media, they really look like fish out of water. And one of them, no judgment, looks like he's had a few drinks to deal with it. Oh, now was this Sean? This is Sean. Well, see, I was uh, are we talking about the uh, in the Darren Hinch interview? Yeah, Darren Hinch Australia's he was he was our number one TV shock jock mm. essentially. And and the irony being that he lives now on a stolen liver. Yeah. So, which he got from a criminal. Shame, shame, Darren. Shame, shame, shame. shame. All the crime that liver digested. Shame, Darren. <laughs> oh my God, Darren Hinch filled by shame and crime. <laughs> uh, what is he? I've seen that interview, and like to me, Sean, like he looks to me like someone who is having post-traumatic shock. A little bit of that. I mean, he reminds me of the people that I grew up with in, mm. in Port Perry. He reminds me of just real. Down to earth people who go, they go to work, they do their job. Yeah. They listen to the footy on the radio. They might yeah. go to the dogs or the trots. Mm. And, you know, they, they like nothing more than a beer. And that is their life. They're, they're essentially here to keep the matrix looking real. So he is, he is not what I can refer to in my old career in PR. He's not great on camera talent. No. Was it, and yeah, and, that, and that's one of the things as well. Like, yeah, you see them and there's other people like, oh my God, there's a reason aliens don't abduct me. They wouldn't get a word in for a start. <laughs> and when I came back, like, you'd be like, oh, my God. And then I was licked up with this pinch of, like, grip and the saucer. And very quite 
descriptive. Yeah. Okay. Nauseatingly descriptive. And some people are like that. Uh, other people, however, when they tell a story, and like when I tell a story, I like to go from the beginning. And then we'll visit my aunt's house and then we'll visit your aunt's house and we'll maybe go to the shops and spend some time at Disney World. Yeah. Um, they are very much, look, just there's 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 A to B. Yeah. A to B, you know, beginning, the end. And they're just, they're very just like, yep, no. Nah. They're not even A to B. They're A until the end of the sound of A. <laughs> <laughs> That's all they've got. Yeah, so they are, they're not very good in like convincing you, like getting you caught up in, I think, the terror of what they experience because no. they were just like, yeah. But also to their benefit, there's no hyperbole. It's mm. it's literally just they're very straight. There's no lie in their eyes, as some people might say. So they've <laughs> definitely experienced something. Yeah. And they're definitely both, they're definitely all very scared and very perturbed by what's happened. mm but, yeah, I mean, it's, I suppose it's also a bit of a detriment that they're not particularly great at selling their story on camera. But who can blame them? I mean, I've, I've worked in the media for years and I'm still shit on camera. Yeah. So- well, I mean, the other thing is as well is uh, when they were giving these interviews, it was not that long after this reported incident happened. 36 hours. So 36 hours is not enough time for you, I think, to really sort of, uh, you know, I mean, if you've been, you know, everything's happened and you've been in shock, you, it's a very good chance you're still in a state of shock. You can't... You know, digest, you haven't digested yourself what's gone on. True. And if you, as the stories go, if you've just been given $5,000 to appear on Hinch, which Mm. is the number one show in the 80s, essentially, you're probably quite terrified that you're not giving good value. Yeah. Because one of the reasons that you shouldn't pay for stories like this is that there's, you know, the talent innately feels that they have to give you value for what they do. Yeah. 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 They certainly didn't get it with these guys. (laughs) Oh my god! Oh my god! The other thing is, like, watching this interview, it's talk about pulling teeth. Like, just it's. I mean, this interview is mainly just sort of Darren Hinch, you know, having snidey little, you know, yeah, you know, at them, and they're just like, yeah, like they're not. Yeah, they're not very good at. Yeah, making you can like convinced by what they're saying. Perhaps my favourite part in the whole interview, though, is when the interviewer gets stuck into Sean about the speed of the vehicle. And it's... <laughs> you see this wonderful, like, beautiful spectrum of psychology happen. Yeah. Where this Aussie bogan bloke is obviously very proud that he's done 200 k's an hour yeah. in his car. Yeah. But then realises he may have just com- admitted to committing a crime and tries to back out of it in the same <laughs> sentence. I've actually got the clip here where the interviewer is slightly incredulous and also gives him grief over the car. Oh, yeah. Almost as if it's like, why weren't you driving a Commodore, you fairy? You know, it's a very 1980s. Ah. I'll I'll just hit the play button for you. Sean, you you were driving. How fast did you get up to? I got up to about 200 kilometres. That's very fast. Have you driven that fast before? Uh, No, I haven't. (laughs) And the car is capable of doing 200 kilometres an hour. Yeah. <laughs> no, officer, I have not done that before. <laughs> Save it for the judge. This is the first time I've ever done that. Ah. Oh, my God. What actually is the... Because the, I think that that was one of the um, the sticking points where most people called bullshit because they looked at their shitty little Ford Telstar yeah. and went, no bloody way would that thing ever be able to go 200 k's an hour. However... Hmm. 
In the research that was done by the investigation by Channel 7, there's actually footage of them. They've, uh, they've uh, you know, put the car up yep. and they're flooring it to see how fast it could go. And it actually reached speeds of 200 k's an hour. The old Ford Telstar. Who knew? They're an amazing vehicle. <laughs> but you could, you could tell from other sections in an interview where, where essentially Sean was trying very hard to sell it. And he was really trying. He, he kind of got CSI Sean. <laughs> On the interviewers. And the rest of his family are just very straight down the line. But it sounds like Sean's had a rough time of it because he was driving. And yeah. I'm not casting judgment or anything like that. But, yeah, it he, makes... He, he did run off into the bush and leave his family in the car. Yeah, including his mum with her tasseled, uh, frilly... Spongled, hot frilly. Yeah. She's just given an alien a reach around. Fuck that, mum. He's off into the bush. Oh my god, it must have been good though. That's why the alien came back. Hello. <laughs> That's what all that black dust was. Oh, alien happy ending. I'm going to hit play on this other quote because I fucking love it. Uh, explain this. If you're doing 200 kilometres, you blow out a back tyre, would you, would you roll a car or what? Yeah. Does that, <laughs> does that explain it? How long... Were you there? How long were you suspended? How far off the ground do you think you were? Well, we don't know because we, we were stunned. You know, we, we were in a state of shock because we don't know what was going on. <laughs> explain that. Explain what? <laughs> That's, this is not even the main point of the, of the story. You're not on the news to discuss whether or not your Ford Telstar can actually do 200 k's an hour. That's not, that's not the crux of this interview. I just, I just love the prosecution rests. I'm going to play that again. Uh, explain this. If you're doing 200 kilometres, you blow out a back yeah. tyre, would you, would you roll a car or what? Yeah. Does that, <laughs> does that explain it? H- how long? See, I think Darren Hinch speaks his language because Hinch went through a liver. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Hinch knows that he's had that conversation in a bar before. You uh, tell me, mate, if your wife is having sex with the pool boy and you go home and you burn all their underwear, does that mean you're all right? Yeah. 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 That's that's a 3 a.m. at a train station bar conversation. That's a, that, yeah. It's, it's not deep intellectual. Um, but then the other thing is for that story is why is that guy? Yeah. Does that guy have the creative ability to come up with a giant upside-down fried egg, okay, hovering, like, through the night sky and actually, like, taking you on a space adventure. Exactly. And and this is the interesting thing as well because – and I read a lot of the uh, the Skeptic articles that came mm-hmm. out at the time. And they were, they were pretty good. They were pretty um, – I mean, I've, I've got to declare my bias here. I'm totally a UFO guy. Yeah. I'm really into it. I think in this case, yeah, it's probably a little bit – who knows? Because the UFO people like basically pointed to the fact that Channel 7 had the car for so long yeah. that there was no way to do any kind of proper forensic testing. Mm-hmm. And then when they finally did do some stuff on it, like the dents on the roof were quite old because mm-hmm. there was like signs of rust and things like that. So there was no real evidence on the scene to justify mm-hmm. exactly what they saw. If there was like weird alien space dust yeah. and you're Channel 7 and you sent it to a lab... yeah. I'm the government. I'm not 
going to let Channel 7 have that news. Mm. I run all the labs. Yeah. I'm not giving you that, oh, my God, you're right. There are aliens menacing Telstars yeah. on the highway. Injected into a cow fetus in western New South Wales and 22 years later you've got Sam Armitage. Da, 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 da. Takes cash cow. <laughs> Yeah, see, I'm. I, I think we have to just scrap the car. Yeah, the car's got to go. It's essentially down to their testimony, mm. really, and they were unified in it. Mm. Yeah, and they they were sort of they they quite uh, like they never sort of waved like they just sort of kept. I mean, admittedly, it's hard to embellish a story and get it wrong when you literally just sort of say you know five words of one syllable. <laughs> it's hard. Explain to that. Your Honour. Like, they are so prepped for court. (laughs) They they are not giving out one bit of evidence, you know, that they don't need to, okay? You Um, blow a tyre at 200 k's an hour and you don't roll your car. Is that not fucking choice driving, Your Honour? (laughs) Fucking never done 200 before. Is it, like, there's the law, but does the law apply if the act that you're doing is... Dead set legend, mate. <laughs> it's the vibe. It's the vibe. There you it's, go. It's the this vibe. is this is really the castle. It's just it, been overlooked. The alien vibe. Yeah, it was yeah. an alien vibe. Now the other thing that you have to consider is after sort of you know this explosion of media attention. Yeah. Two members of the Knowles family would actually seek medical attention and were hospitalised for it was listed as stress and nervous exhaustion. Wow. So that's other thing you would have to think would have to give them some credibility if people yeah. actually um, have a breakdown. Now, the other thing is when the family finally did return to Western Australia, uh, they refused to drive and instead caught the train, uh, the train back home. Very cool. Now, you're right. Like, I looked up and so many people... Oh, my God. Some of the explanations or theories as to what happened to the family are even, like, more dramatic than the actual story itself, okay? Now, it went from everything. There was the usual, oh, it's just ball lightning, mate. It's ball lightning. For a start, okay, this happened over a period of hours, okay? And the ball lightning doesn't tend to sort of follow you around the highway. Zap, zap. And it's not spongy. Zap, zap. Yeah, and you can't give it a wristy, okay? <laughs> like, no one has ever given, you know, ball lightning a wristy. Um, I'm pretty sure I've seen some fan fiction for Thor that <laughs> went down that road. <laughs> Just grab Mjolnir. Uh, oh, my God, I'll make the lightning thunder. What? <laughs> you uh, tossed your hammer off. Do you think, okay, because it all just comes back, do you think when Thor, like, yeah. whacks off, okay, yeah. and it's just like, the, like, godly explosion, do you yeah. think it then, like, comes back to him? Oh, like a... Like, like the a, hammer? The like, pressure like, wave. Yeah, just, it just, like, whoosh, Whoa. and then... Yeah. Maybe that's ball lightning. That's yeah. what you call ball lightning. You've got to make sure you get your dick just aimed correctly, yeah. so it, it's Ooh. a... Otherwise, it's a fucking, it's off the rim. It's a rough reentry. You want nothing but net. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, if that's where lightning comes from. Oh, Thor's shit. dick. <laughs> this is why the Danes had such a great religion. <laughs> you know what, I can get down with that. Like, God will smite you with his dick. <laughs> like, that's like, that's hardcore. 
like that is. lightning from the fingertips, whatever, but straight from his dick. Like you really, <laughs> how angry do you have to make God that he is going to unleash his like dick lightning? You sacrifice a lamb or we're going to get nothing but dick lightning <laughs> for, for all winter. Oh my God. If you ever become a, like a male stripper, I want you to call yourself Dick Lightning. <laughs> That's more my NASCAR name. <laughs> Dick Lightning. Either way, totally works. Yeah. Totally. Anything you do in life from now on, call yourself Dick Lightning. Done. Dick Lightning. So all of the explanations provided, none of them explain, you know, the ball lightning, just, you know, early morning drowsiness, you yeah. know, morning group hysteria. Oh, the highway hypnosis. Uh, yes. Um. None of it um, explains the truck driver or the similar sightings. There were also similar sightings of a strange light over Port Lincoln. Um, now, one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite <laughs> explanations as to like <laughs> what was the explanation? You know which one I'm talking I about. Do, yeah. Tell us about. Uh, well, it it was the height of uh, the Iran Contra affair, uh-huh. so it could have been linked to that. But the number one theory was paramil- paramilitary helicopters uh-huh. equipped with powerful electromagnets mm. doing mm. what in the middle of the desert? <laughs> or some American diplomats lost his keys on the Nullarbor. <laughs> it's just like sand combing <laughs> the sand. <laughs> And like, I'm sorry, but do you know what? If you are the most elite black ofs, you know, experts in the world, yeah. okay, and you want to do hardcore testing, okay, yeah. surely you can find something better to test your press, like prowess on, okay, than an 88 Telstra duckhead <laughs> blue in the middle of nowhere with like a woman with one tooth and her three kids. Yeah, so maybe that's like, I mean, so maybe that's why the, you know, they dropped the car because when they were expecting, okay, enemy forces to retaliate against their black axe, you know, helicopter, maybe it never occurred to them that one of the occupants would wind down the window, reach round and give someone a wristing. (laughs) Maybe that's, they were like, abort, abort, we're not prepared for this. We were not prepared for this contingency. Maybe we live in a simulation and we're just one giant intergalactic claw machine that, like all claw machines, refuses to give a prize. Oh, well, isn't that, you know... You... As an alien bashes its tentacles against the... <laughs> Turkey slaps your <laughs> Fucking machine. In the back of the Telstar. No. Yeah. Oh, my God. You know what? No, I think you weren't hugged as a child. Um, oh, no, I wasn't. Um... I mean... The simple fact is, I mean, anonymous source has stated that locals along the Nullarbor have in fact been seeing these lights for years. They've seen them before, but they have always kept it to themselves. And this is one of the explanations that I kind of like. So this is diverging from what you're saying. Mm. But one of the sceptical explanations that I saw was people talking about the idea of a superior mirage. Mm. So essentially where the curvature of the Earth Mm. lenses lights that are over the horizon, mm-hmm. they appear to be, you know, basically disembodied lights yes. hanging above the ground. So this is why in some parts of China in the right conditions you can see whole cities that aren't there, mm-hmm. that kind of thing, which does kind of make sense for the truck because apparently the truck was about 15 k's behind the Knowles's at one point. Mm-hmm. So its lights could have appeared above the horizon mm-hmm. that way. So that's one of them. Yeah, but that, that's only part of it. Like, how does that, you know, how would that explain the dents in the roof? Well, there is some talk that they had luggage on the roof at one point. 
which blew off when he was doing doing two hundred. Oh, just to hour. see if my car would do two hundred kilometers. <laughs> well, and then the other thing is, like, we've got where they were. Uh, they trace back the skid marks, and they found the jack, and they found the footprints with you know the the bits of blood. Yeah. That's that's a lot of detail. That is a lot of detail. That's a lot of, like, if you're going to commit to. And when you see the interviews with the Knowles family, mm. they don't seem like, you know, they're CSI experts. No, they don't look like they've you know, made up a, a good story in their time. Yeah. Do they? No. Exactly. No. Uh, like, there's some people where you'd be like, oh, no, totally. Like, if it was Kevin Spacey telling me the story, yeah. I'd be like, oh, it is all fabricated. Yeah. Like, look at that boy act. <laughs> look at that boy looking at boys while acting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'd ask that bush, you know, if it gave consent. But <laughs> That's uh, Weinstein. That was Weinstein who targeted plants. <laughs> get your get your Hollywood predators right. <laughs> I, feel, I still I feel I mean I feel bad for everyone, but has anyone gone back to like check on that palm? Is it like how is it feeling through all of this? Oh my the God. palm de whore. <laughs> well, I mean, let's look at what the most obvious explanation for this mm-hmm. is. I mean, if you if you if you discount UFO, uh-huh. essentially people in a car asleep, one guy's driving, going a bit too fast, mm-hmm. hits a bump, luggage blows off, luggage blows off, <laughs> back back wheel pops, because uh-huh. you know this is this is the talk. You know, we're in an we're in a eighty five Telstar, yeah, getting along at ridiculous speeds on mm-hmm. Dunlops that probably aren't rated for anything above one hundred and eighty k's an hour. No, they weren't. Yeah, there you go. I mean, that doesn't mean they're immediately going to pop. But, yeah. You know, you don't want to be doing it. Uh, yeah. So, you know, you've suddenly got a, a, a car doing serious speed, shredding its mud flaps. It's shredding the mm-hmm. last remaining stuff on there. He's jumped on the brakes, which are not designed to bring you mm-hmm. to a decent stop, even when they're brand new. Because, uh-huh. I mean, these things still had drum brakes on the back, I reckon. So probably had discs on the front, drum brakes on the back. He's lit those things up like you wouldn't believe. Mm-hmm. So they're spewing brake stench into the car. See, I mean, that could, yeah, that could explain like the black dust in yeah. the car. It could just be, you know, the tyres and the brakes, you know, shredding. Yeah. They pull up, get out. They chase him because he's, <laughs> he's almost killed them. Yeah. They chase him. You fucking dickhead. He's changed the tyre, thrown oh. the jack at someone. <laughs> They've all got back in the car angry. Oh. And then decided to invent a UFO story. I don't know. I mean, what's the benefit to the to the UFO story? What's it? Yeah, that's it. Like, I mean, I don't imagine you know they were sitting around going, "Oh my god, if we make this up now to explain you, you <laughs> shithead, because our luggage for our holiday has just blown off our roof." Yeah, maybe that's why he was just like running because he's like, "Ah, <laughs> some Three Stooges shit going on in the desert." But there's like. So if the, if the tire just pops naturally, and you know, and they spit and they, and they wake up and everything, okay. So that ex- could explain, you know, the black, the smell of the burning. Yeah. But for that to happen, that would happen so quick. The mum would not have had time to wind down the window and give a, give give a give a howdy doody to whatever was up there. To SpongeBob fucking alien pants. <laughs> Yeah, it, it doesn't make sense. And there's, there's been no attempt to profit from it beyond yes. that. So the, so the original story, and, you know, people who go, oh, well, they got $5,000. Fuck, of course you'd take the money. Yeah. Of course you would. Yeah. If, if Frank Pangallo ran up to me and offered me $5,000, yeah. first thing I think is, can I afford the limp? 
And the second thing is fucking yeah. Yeah. I'll take five grand to just tell you what happened to me. Well, and if especially like for, you know, what we can, you know, for when they pulled up at the truck stop, the family was just, and if something like that happens, like, oh my God, can, if I got abducted by like menaced by a fucking fried egg yeah. here for a start, oh my God, the story would just be me along the highway going, this is not vegan. I am vegan. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> Come back when you're just egg like oh my god that is literally as a vegan that is my worst nightmare to be like menaced by an upside down fried egg because that is not vegan have you used that probe on other carnivores <laughs> get me a clean one we're, oh. get, we're getting off track what are we doing well the thing is we may never know just what happened out there along the nullarbor but in the words of Faye Knowles there is definitely something out there Another unsolved case in the vaults of the egg files. <laughs> Fucking hell. Scully. <laughs> that last 45 minutes was just building up so I could make that joke. For an egg pun. Yeah. Yeah, you do have a fucking future in Australian stand-up comedy. <laughs> You're so bitter. <laughs> my failure is my fuel. <laughs> well, if you're going to leave it on an egg pun, I'm going to leave us on the words of Darren Hinch. Oh. In his sign-off from the uh, rather rather one-sided interview with the Knowles family in 1988. Thank you for tuning in, uh, for downloading or whatever it is that you do. Um, do we have a – we've got – Listen to you trying to talk to the young people. I fucking don't like young people. <laughs> I, good. I don't. What if they don't like – they probably don't like you either. That's fine. <laughs> That's all good. They rip out your letterbox and they, they ride scooters. Oh, oh, get off my lawn, you damn young people with yeah. your dick lightning and your and your tofu and your futons <laughs> and your hipster beards. All right. Do we do we need to plug stuff? We've got a we've got a Facebook. Oh yeah, we do. We've got Facebook, we've got Instagram. You do all the work on those things. We've got uh we have a Facebook page, Gavin yeah. in the Woods. Uh yeah. there's a lovely artistic picture of uh, you and I, you with the body of Nick Frost, because you wouldn't give me a picture of yourself. Thank you, Mr. Frost. <laughs> and you can find us um, on Instagram at Gabin in the Woods, G A B B I N in the Woods. In the Woods. <laughs> As a cocaine plane flies past my window. <laughs> hey. Oh my God, it's not a giant upside down egg. Oh, there you go. So we'll leave you now with the, the, uh, the timeless words of Darren Hinch, still on his first liver. Back in 1988. Good old days. Way before becoming a senator. But thank you for tuning in and hopefully uh, if you've got any, reach out and do all the other stuff. And mm. if, you, if you liked the show, maybe wind down your window at 200 k's an hour. <laughs> reach out and give us a tingle. As the Knowles family and as with all the UFO stories, believers will believe and non-believers will scoff perhaps. I've said before, it's always intrigued me when people claim to have been taken away by little green men and flying saucers that... They always go for corn farmers from Iowa and never for a Nobel Peace Prize winner or a military genius. Fuck you, Darren Hinch. What a bitch. Paid $5,000. He's, he's the kind of person who thinks he can put out a cigarette on a sex worker. Fuck you, Darren Hinch. Thanks uh, very much. <laughs> Strike him with my dick lightning. <laughs>